This morning I thought I'd follow on from something we heard in the recording yesterday, a theme that came up in the recording around working with thoughts. I thought I'd just share some of my own reflections on working with thoughts, thinking. Thoughts are a natural process of the mind. The mind thinks, much as the eye sees, the ear hears. The mind both produces thoughts and knows thoughts. So it's different from the other senses in that regard. The eye doesn't produce the objects of sight. But it it is just a very natural process. So this is something we can become aware of. Again, expanding our notion of mindfulness to include the possibility of being aware while thinking. I think I said this in the hall, but I'm not sure, so I'll I'll say it again. (laughs) If we have the idea that we cannot be aware while thinking, then vast chunks of our daily life will be in unawareness because we have to think in our daily lives. So this practice of becoming aware of thinking really supports our movement into daily life. One thing Saida Utejaniya sometimes says about noticing thoughts. He says, do you know that this thought is just a mind? And when I first heard that, it was a little odd phrasing for me. Just a mind. Hmm. And um, Partly the way I've, I, well, at this point, I like that phrasing. It's just a mind. It's just a mind that's coming up. Um, and in this sense, I think he's, he's really working with the term chitta from the Pali, which is often translated as mind. And chitta is simply um, the mind, the, the consciousness, uh, the faculty that knows, and all the associated um, parts of mental functioning happening together. So I think that's what he's referring to when he says thought is just a mind. It's just a functioning of mental processes. And that's the way I think of it, that recognizing that thought is simply a mental process happening in this moment. That's a form of insight to be able to recognize that. Because usually um, when we are experiencing thoughts, we are caught up in the thought, we're um, in the world of the thought, and we're having a memory, some, some memory comes up, and it, it's almost as like, and you may notice this here on retreat, um, when we um, wake up into a thought where we've been lost in it, a memory for example, um, at least I've seen at times waking up into that kind of a thought, it's like my mind had thoroughly believed and entered that world of that thought. It's like a thought bubble, you know. It, it had created this reality, and for a period of time, I was completely living in that reality, believing that reality. <coughs> it can be quite startling when you come out of it, and it's like, wait a minute, I'm not in that relationship anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's been over and done for years now. <laughs> so 
the the um, that when when the mind is doing that, it is not acknowledging that this is a process arising in the present moment. It is completely bought in to the thought. And so this is part of why it's really helpful to begin to recognize thinking. And Sayada emphasizes recognizing it as a process more than recognizing the content. So beginning to recognize the process of thinking. How does it happen? In particular, in the tape, in the recording yesterday, he emphasized the cause and effect nature of thinking. So in particular, the discussion arose primarily, it seemed, about um, strong uh, strong thinking uh, related to emotions. Um, you know, somebody had had a, a lot of suffering that they were a lot of reflections on, and um, so the 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 strong thinking often is connected with body, with emotions, and so the exploration of how do thoughts and emotions impact each other? How does this whole uh, mixture of thoughts and emotions impact the body? How does the body and the emotions feed back to the thinking? This kind of exploration is exploring the process of the thinking. How is the thinking being created? How is it being sustained? There's a lot to say about that, um, but since this is our morning instruction, I won't go into that. If you have some further questions or clarifications you'd like about that, we're having a, a this afternoon will be a Q&A session with me, so you have the opportunity to, to ask some questions about that if you want some elaboration on that. Another way to explore the process of thinking, I mean, there's, so there's, there's the emotion, thought, cause and effect relationship, but lots of thoughts happen that don't have a lot of emotional content. Um, You see something and it reminds you of, you know, the color of the of the light on the green grass and that color is exactly the color of a dress you wore when you were three years old and suddenly you're thinking about that dress and then, you know, that memory may then trigger some emotions, but the the linkage between the the um, the color of the grass and the color of the dress is kind of just an associative link. It doesn't necessarily have a, um, an emotion between there. So it could just be the associative nature of thought, and that's also looking at the cause and effect nature of thinking. So that's, again, looking at the process of how thinking happens. Another way to explore the process that I don't believe um, Saida talked about in the recording is to notice the various ways that we think, the modalities in which we think. So, for instance, um, we might think by talking to ourselves. That's a pretty common way to experience thinking. And that's actually, I think, a lot uh, a lot of our day-to-day ordinary thoughts may come in that form. Um, so there's the, as if we're talking to ourselves. Then there's the, as if we're hearing somebody else talk to us. You know, the thought comes in the voice of our mother or, you know, our brother or whatever. Then thoughts could also um, come as images non-verbally, just as 
an image appears. Um, might be a still image, like a slideshow. Sometimes I've th seen my thoughts coming as if it's a slideshow. There's a slideshow of one image, and then it fades away. And then, oh, there's another one, and then it fades, and then another one. Just, it's just like watching a slideshow. Um, then there's, you know, when it turns into a moving image. Movie, you know, and, and then, then the sound comes in, and then it's a full-fledged, you know, three-dimensional. When it gets to that point, you're entering into the world of that thought. <laughs> so this whole process, oh, and then one other piece, um, one other way or modality that um, for some people is, is common, for others is less common, and that's a kind of a kinesthetic sense of thinking, that we, we can think, uh, there can be thoughts that are felt in the body. And to give you a sense of this, of what this might be, um, <coughs> right now, put yourself in the experience of your body, noticing your body, and um, think about standing up. Did any of you feel a kind of a, an energy flow through the body almost in preparation for standing? That's a kind of kinesthetic thinking. Um, some people think in that modality a lot, and I would imagine that somebody who is blind and deaf would think in that modality. You know, how the body's oriented. You know, when they think of a chair, it might be the feeling of sitting down in a chair that comes up in their mind. So there, there is a way that we think in this nonverbal way. Um, the process of thinking, so these modalities relate to the process. We can, by acknowledging the modality in which we're thinking, um, connect more with the process than the content. The, also, we can be um, kind of interested, in particular with visual images, I've seen this to be the case, um, that the visual images can get put together. I mean, they, they um, like, I might be just meditating, not much happening, and then I'll see the head of a dog floating through my field of vision, just a little head of a dog. And if I'm not just aware of that, then, you know, it's like the whole thing starts to fill itself out. And there's the dog running around chasing a frisbee or whatever it's doing. Um, so that's the kind of closer to the beginning of the thought. Uh, I know when I'm in a moving image that it's been maybe a couple of seconds since the thought began having seen this. So, so you, again, you can begin to see the process of thinking through noticing the modality of thinking. Also, I've noticed um, in my mind, and, and people may be different, people are, I'm sure are different in this, this is the way my mind produces thoughts uh, when the mind is pretty settled. The signal that I'm about to begin thinking is that I see a net very clear, like I'm looking at a mosquito net. And then things start to put themselves into that net. So it's like the intention to think is seen in a visual way also. So again, you can learn a lot about the process of thinking. Explore the actual process. 
So I find that in terms of exploring processes, if the thoughts are strong, if there's the, a, a strong emotional content or a lot of energy behind the thought, then the exploration around emotion, feeling, thought, and that whole mixture is, is probably the way to go, rather than trying to pay attention to the thought or, or how you're seeing the thought, the modality of the thought. When there's a, a pull to the thought, probably the attention to emotions and um, how they interact with thoughts is the, is the exploration to, <coughs> to do. When there's not a lot of emotional content, or they're more random thoughts, or maybe hypnagogic thoughts, dreamlike thoughts, then noticing the modality can be a really helpful way to stay connected with the thinking experience while it's happening. So in terms of recognizing that thoughts are just a mental process, um, this is helpful for us because it helps to, to again, it's, it's a practice that supports the sustaining of mindfulness. It supports this third yogi job um, because thoughts have so much uh, delusive power in them they so quickly, we have such a habit of entering into the reality that they create. So seeing them as an arising in the present moment supports our ability to stay present, to see through the, the delusive nature of thought. And it's just, oh, this is just something happening here and now. Whether it's the thought of the future or the past, these are things arising in the present moment. And when we see them in this light, they're just objects. They're just like any other object, so we can practice with them. It does take some skill. It takes some um, uh, it, it takes some practice actually to learn how to to let go of the delusive pull of thinking. So keep just keep trying and, and you know don't get discouraged or see if you can at least notice that you're discouraged if you're discouraged um, because it is a challenging practice to um, be aware of thought. And then the other part that Saida talked about a little bit was working a little bit with the content of whether the thoughts are skillful or unskillful. So this, this part helps us, too, uh, when thoughts are unskillful, we really want to just treat them as objects. When thoughts are skillful, there may be some um, uh, engagement with the content. So, for example, a skillful thought might be the use of questions in practice. Am I aware? What am I aware of? It's using thought in practice or reflections, the Dharma reflections. This is nature. So those, those can be skillful thoughts. They also can be unskillful. So it's important to check the motivation behind the use of thoughts like that. If there is um, 
aversion to something happening in the mind, and it's like, well, I know, I just need to find that this is nature, so I'm going, is this nature, this is nature, this is nature. So there's a, a kind of a, an attitude in the mind behind the, uh, the thinking of that thought. So we need to have a discernment, even when the content of the thought is ostensibly skillful, checking the motivation. And then there's recognizing unskillful thoughts. This is actually a practice that the Buddha taught. It's in one of the suttas in the Majjhima Nikaya. Uh, if you're interested, it's, I think it's either 19 or 20. It's one of those two. It's called Two Kinds of Thought. Um, and he said, I noticed when I was meditating, before I was enlightened, that there would be thoughts that came up and different kinds of thoughts that would come up. And I realized it was really helpful to put these thoughts into two categories. One, on one side, were thoughts of sense, desire, ill will, and cruelty. And I could see that these led to affliction. They led to suffering, either to myself or to others. And on the other side, there were thoughts of renunciation, of non-ill will, of non-cruelty. And these, I could see, did not lead to affliction. So he, he even said at one point, I can see that thinking those thoughts, I could think those thoughts for a whole day and a whole night and it wouldn't cause anybody any harm. So this is the, the basic you know, uh, guideline for checking, are thoughts skillful or unskillful? Is it going to cause affliction? Is it going <coughs> to cause suffering for this thought to continue, either for yourself or others? So that a little reflection, uh, does this cause affliction. When thoughts are skillful, it's still helpful to check in whether they're necessary or unnecessary. Um, The Buddha continued in that sutta to say, so I saw that I could think these thoughts for a day and a night and it wouldn't cause harm to anybody. And yet I could see that it agitated the mind and kept it from being settled and still and quiet, able to observe. So I could see it was helpful to set some of them aside, to set these, set these thoughts aside. So to, no, to notice and dis- discern when they're necessary or unnecessary, when they're appropriate or inappropriate. And this again, this is kind of that, uh, in, the, in the terrain of this is um, the... The recognizing, am I aware, what am I aware of, as the momentum of mindfulness gets going, and you are already aware, and the flow is happening, there's no need to keep putting that question in, because it agitates the mind. So again, it's an ostensibly skillful thought, but in the context, it's not so helpful. It's agitating the mind and not allowing it to settle into the present moment. So I think that's enough on thought this morning.